0: Congregation, this afternoon I preached to you the word as we confess that in Lord's Day 10 of the Heidelberg Catechism, Lord's Day 10. And there the church has summarized the word of God as follows. Lord's Day 10. What do you understand by the providence of God? God's providence is his almighty and ever-present power whereby as with his hand he still upholds heaven and earth and all creatures and so governs them that leaf and blade, rain and drought fruitful and barren years, food and drink, health and sickness, riches and poverty, indeed all things come to us not by chance, but by his fatherly hand. What does it benefit us to know that God has created all things and still upholds them by his providence? We can be patient in adversity, thankful in prosperity, and with a view to the future, we can have a firm confidence that our faithful God and Father in our faithful God and Father, that no creature shall separate us from his love, for all creatures are so completely in his hand that without his will they cannot so much as move. So far our confession, uh, we'll also read uh, in connection with that, Article 13 of the Belgic Confession, and you find that on page uh, 505 of the Book of Praise, Belgic Confession, Article 13, about the providence of God. And there we confess the following. We believe that this good God, after he had created all things, did not abandon them or give them up to fortune or chance, but that according to his holy will, he so rules and governs them that in this world, nothing happens without his direction. Yet God is not the author of the sins which are committed, nor can he be charged with them. For his power and goodness are so great and beyond understanding that he ordains and executes his work in the most excellent and just manner even when devils and wicked men act unjustly. And as to his actions surpassing human understanding, we will not curiously inquire farther than our capacity allows us, but with the greatest humility and reverence, we adore the just judgments of God which are hidden from us, and we content ourselves that we are pupils of Christ who have only to learn those things which he teaches us in his word without transgressing these limits. This doctrine gives us inexpressible consolation, for we learn thereby that nothing can happen to us by chance, but only by the direction of our gracious Heavenly Father. He watches over us with fatherly care, keeping all creatures so under His power that not one hair of our head, for they are all numbered, nor one sparrow can fall to the ground without the will of our Father. In this we trust, because we know that He holds in check the devil and all our enemies, so that they cannot hurt us without his permission and will. We therefore reject the damnable error of the Epicureans who say that God does not concern himself with anything but leaves all things to chance. So far, our confessions. Beloved Congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ, Lord's Day 10 we could say is kind of an appendix to the previous Lord's Day, Lord's Day 9. We have in this Lord's Day a further explanation of one of the words that uh, is used in Lord's Day 9, the word providence. Lord's Day 10 is an explanation uh, going into what God's providence actually is about. And it's needed, that explanation, because you wouldn't find, you won't find that word providence in the Bible. It's not uh, a a Bible word, it's in fact a Latin word that originally meant uh, to see beforehand. Well, the church fathers digested what the Bible says about the sovereignty of God. And they took up that word providence to describe that God controls all things and nothing happens by chance. Nothing happens without his will. And that's the biblical doctrine of God's providence then, God's control of all things that happen, good and bad, and for his purpose. So it's all in a certain direction And that doctrine comes to the fore in the passage we read from the Bible, Isaiah 45. Through the mouth of Isaiah, God lets Israel know that there's going to be a king called Cyrus who would let them return from exile in Babylon. And you think about that, that this prophecy came uh, more than 100 years before Cyrus was even on the scene. That's why the Lord says even... Uh, I named you, though you have not known me, verse 4. A hundred, more than 100 years before Cyrus was even on the scene, God predicted this. This would happen. He saw beforehand, we could say. But Isaiah also didn't even didn't only say, say, well, God can see beforehand, but that God is in control here, is is what the point of it was. Cyrus was born. He came to the throne of the Persian Empire. And then he issued a decree. God let him become uh, uh, emperor. And then eventually he issued a decree that Israel could return from exile to their own land again. And this was way before Israel even was in exile. So you see that, that God sees beforehand because he controls all things. He steers everything where he wants it to go for his purpose. And that's why he says also in, in verse 7 of Isaiah 45, I form the light and create darkness. I make peace and create calamity. I, the Lord, do all these things. And sometimes, you know, in the NIV, for instance, you have I make prosperity and create adversity. It all comes from the Lord. So you see that nothing happens by chance. Everything in the universe and in our own lives, our private, personal lives, comes by God's almighty hand and with his direction for his purpose. And that's providence. And that makes the doctrine of God's providence an awesome and at the same time, also for, for us as children of God, as people of God, covenant people of God, a very comforting doctrine. And this afternoon we confess God's gracious providence in, and we see first of all the wide extent of of that doctrine, and secondly the deep comfort in this doctrine. First the the wide extent. Brothers and sisters, boys and girls you might wonder what I I mean with the wide extent here. But you have to notice that little word all used by the Catechism, Lord say, 10. All things, indeed, all things come to us not by chance, but by God's fatherly hand. I don't think we have too much problem when it comes to the positive things coming from the hand of our Father in Christ. Good things happen and see them as blessings from God. But it becomes harder uh, to accept when all things here also includes very sad and difficult and terrible things in the world and in our own lives. Does God really have a hand in giving people pain and bringing about terrible disasters and bring about d- bitter disappointments in our lives? Is this from God? What, what good does he see in that? And that's a fundamental question of faith, you know, which a lot of Christians have a hard time with, and in some of them even try to explain it uh, away. A lot of people who call themselves Christians today uh, don't accept that all things come from God's fatherly hand. Rain, as well as drought, fruitful, as well as barren years, health, as well as sickness, riches, as well as poverty. And they ask then, too, how could a just and fair and loving and faithful God cause things like drought and sickness and tragedy? He would seem more like a cruel tyrant than a loving father. The answer a lot of people give to reconcile this gracious God and the suffering and hardship in the world is that God doesn't want it either. He wished it wasn't here either, but he can't do anything about it. God is not an almighty God who has all things in his control, but he is a sympathetic God, very sympathetic. The Reverend Tom Harper Uh, who lives in Meaford, has written a lot of uh, articles, also in our own local paper, a lot of books. Um, he He has also written about this, and he said there are certain things over which God has no control. I don't believe, he says, that God causes mental retardation in children or chooses who should suffer from muscular dystrophy. The God I believe in doesn't send us the problem but he gives us the strength to cope with the problem. He can tur- we can turn to God for help in the face of tragedy precisely because we know he is as outraged about it as we are. You feel, of course, brothers and sisters, this, this doesn't rhyme with what we confess in Lord's Day 10 and what we read in, in the Bible here. The God that Harper believes in is not the God of the Bible, sadly the God who, as Isaiah writes, brings peace and creates calamity. Harper has an imagined God, a God who who he wished uh, God to be, a God out there who is just as helpless and powerless as we are, a God who shares our feelings, but who isn't in control of evil as well as good. And sadly, then, then, this is a God in whom there is no comfort either, you might as well seek your help and comfort from, from a neighbor as in, as in this God. No, we can't accept those kind of modern man-made doctrines about God and yet congregation, don't we also ourselves wrestle with that same question? How can God let this terrible thing happen to those people? Exactly those people. How can God let this happen to me in my life? Because I'm his covenant child, right? He adopted me for his, his own. He loves me. Why doesn't he do something about this awful situation if he's almighty God? Those are issues that I, I believe, every believer can struggle with, right? Is this God's hand too when a disabled child is born or husband or, or, or wife is suddenly taken out of this life or child? Or when you're told you have an incurable disease when you lose a lot of money just when you need it most, when you have to deal with the awful tensions of the of family relationships or so, do all these things come from God's fatherly hand? Or do they come from the hand of the devil? And is God not able to, to prevent them? And You see, we, we can have lots of questions about this too. How are, how are we to see this? Well, again, brothers and sisters, boys and girls, just listen to what we confess, Lord's Day 10, exactly. All things come by God's fatherly hand. All things. Not just the things which we experience as nice and good and right. Also the things we experience as not good, as disastrous, as troublesome, as sorrowful, as unjust. Those things come from God's fatherly hand too. In Lord's Days 9, as pointed out last Sunday, it already speaks of whatever adversity God sends me in this life of sorrow. He sends it. it. It's God who sends the adversity we experience from day to day too. All adversity in the world as we confess in Lord's Day 10. Also the barren years. The barren years of our lives. The sickness, the poverty, that's how, I, how the Bible speaks. I make peace and create calamity, says the Lord in Isaiah 45. He does it. See, beloved, we can't make a contrast between God's work and the devil's work and say, well, these are from the Lord's hand and these are from the devil's hand and the Lord has no part in this. It won't work. It's all in God's hand. It's true, Satan, that fallen angel, has immense power. He is the source of all evil and temptation and misery. But at the same time, we should also remember that out of himself, the devil would not be able to accomplish a thing in this world without God's permission. He opposes God and the saints, but he and his whole host of demons are only creatures. Creatures, they're created creatures. God made them in the beginning as angels. And even after the fall of the devil and his angels, God is still almighty creator. The devil is not one of his creatures who can compete with him for power on an even level. No, God is still almighty. And as we confess in the second answer of Lord's Day 10, all creatures are so in God's hand that without his will, they can't as much as move. They can't blink an eye, so to speak. And that includes the devil and his host. We don't always think about things like that maybe, but this is what the Bible says. This is what we confess, Article 13 of the the Belgian Confession, which we read together. We, We confess there, we know that God holds in check the devil and all our enemies so that they cannot hurt us without his permission and will. Notice that expression used here. He holds in check the devil. And what that means is something like when somebody has a dangerous dog on a chain. You know, the dog wants to attack people but somebody's holding that, that dog in check, pulled back on the chain so the, the dog can't reach the other person. Well, so God holds the devil in check. He has him on a chain. It even says that in Revelation 20. Put him in the pit and he chained him for a thousand years. That's this time. The devil is on a chain and God holds him so he can only go as far as God allows him. And God can hold the devil in check so he can't even touch us, no matter how hard he tries. God can also let out some chain so that the devil can cause harm and that he can even scare us. Think of the book of Job here. Certainly the devil who brought the trouble and sorrow on Job when he he lost everything, all his children in one day, for instance, And it was a devil who caused Job to become sick so his whole body was covered in sores. He couldn't stop scraping his skin with potsherds. But the devil could only do those things to Job with God's permission and will. We see, for instance, how God holds the devil in check when he tells the devil that he was permitted to make Job's life miserable, but he was not allowed to take Job's life. Okay. You can make him sick, but don't touch his life itself. The devil has no, didn't have the control there, the ultimate control. That's the same today. Satan can do a lot of harm. He can't do a thing unless God allows him, gives him the room for it. And see, that's, that's actually the basis of the sixth petition of the Lord's Prayer. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. You could only pray that if you believe that God the Almighty Father has the evil one's chain in his hand and that he can hold him in check so that he can't tempt us. He's the one alone who can give the devil room to harm or tempt us or hold him in check so he can't do it. Do you see, brothers and sisters, boys and girls, the, the wide extent of our confession of God's providence? All things, every last little thing that happens comes to us not by chance, but by God's fatherly hand. A little sparrow that falls. God's fatherly hand. Also, all the adversity we experience in our lives. God's hand controls it. Even the devil's wicked work can't take place without the permission and will of the our Almighty God and Father in Jesus Christ. And yes, the Bible tells us to be watchful and to fight against the devil who goes about like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour, the Apostle Peter writes. That's our responsibility. We have to fight the devil and temptation from our point of view as if it's all up to us. But at the same time, every believer may also confess that without God's will, the devil couldn't utter a peep, let alone roar. And I realize that's not going to answer all the questions that can be asked about God's sovereignty and the devil's capability and our responsibility. You can still ask why God gives the devil any room at all anymore. or You might, uh, you might ask why he gave him any room in the first place in paradise to tempt Adam and Eve all kinds of questions yet for which I have to admit there are no answers. God doesn't tell us everything in his word. He doesn't have to. What he does say is that we should be humble over against his majesty and wisdom. Who are we to question the maker of heaven and earth? As the Lord reminds his people a number of times in Isaiah 45, shall the clay say to him who forms it, what are you making? No, like Job we have to put our hand to our mouth rather than question Almighty God and what He's doing to us. Also, as we confess, Belgian Confession, Article 13, as to God's actions surpassing human understanding, we will not curiously inquire further than our capacity allows us, but with the greatest humility and reverence adore the just judgments of God which are hidden from us. In content ourselves that we are pupils of Christ who have only to do those things which he teaches us in his word without transgressing these limits. In other words, humility and reverence for God's just judgments. God's wisdom and justice is far greater than we know or understand. We just need to do what the word tells us to do. As the Lord Jesus Christ obeyed his father, simply do what God requires of us in his word and leave all the rest up to him. Leave the rest up to him. He knows what he's doing. We don't have to manipulate situations to our own advantage. We just have to obey, and God will turn all things to good for those who love him. That's his promise. And that brings us to the deep comfort of this confession. Brothers and sisters, boys and girls, the devil can wreak a lot of havoc in this world and in our lives, right? But as we saw, he's not gonna, he can't do a thing, can't tempt, can't bring sickness, can't break up relationships, can't bring into distress, uh, can't bring, cause any, any pain without the permission and purpose of God Almighty. God has him on a chain, and he can only go where God lets him. And that's why the Bible speaks in terms of God doing it. God it do, does it. For instance, Amos 3, the prophet says, "If there is calamity in a city, will not the Lord have done it?" He did it. We sometimes blame people for things, but actually, it's God. God isn't responsible for the evil itself that happens. But it doesn't happen without His active permission either. For those who want no relationship with God in Christ, then everything in their lives, whether good or evil, is only going to bring them farther away from God. They question God, if there is a God, how could he do this? How could he allow that? And that's, that's because, as it says twice in Romans 1, God gives them over to the sinful desires of their hearts and to vile passions when he's talking about people who reject God. He gives them over. God gives them over. In other words, God lets the devil go in their case. He gives the devil chain in their case. He gives the devil room to deceive them so that they become hardened in their sin and in the deceitfulness of sin and are unable to even understand the truth anymore. They get all chewed up by the evil one. That's the one side. On the other hand... The fact that God is in control of all things, even the devil, is of great comfort to believers who have embraced Jesus Christ. The almighty God of providence is their faithful father through Christ. And their father in Christ has everything in his control so that no creature, not even the devil, can move without his will. So no adversity ever overcomes believers by chance or by the devil's power or so. No, these things can only take place in my life and in your life by the permission and goodwill of your merciful Father in Jesus Christ. As we confess Article 13, Belgian Confession, this doctrine gives us unspeakable consolation, inexpressible consolation, for we we learn thereby that nothing can happen to us by chance but only by the direction of our gracious Heavenly Father. He watches over us with fatherly care, keeping all creatures so under his power that not one hair of our head, for they're all numbered, can fall to the ground. And then, of course, beloved, this doesn't mean that as believers we're never going to come into contact with the devil and his kingdom anymore and that they can't cause us trouble and grief anymore. God does give the devil room to move around in our lives and in the church too. And then there's trouble and tragedy to deal with in our lives and also in the church, maybe even deep sorrow. But we can trust that even though sad and difficult things take place in our lives god will certainly not give his children in christ over to the devil no he only allows the devil to go so far and no farther with his believing children and that's why as it says in romans 8 which we mentioned last sunday too nothing at all nothing not even death or demons the devil Nothing in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. In fact, the room that God gives the devil in the lives of his children, he uses to strengthen the bond of love between his children and him. God so has the devil and even the sinful nature, our sinful nature, so in his control that whatever evil the devil does, whatever wrongs we fall into as believers will only serve to bring us closer to him. Even our sins he uses for that purpose. Not that any sin is good, but he uses it to bring us back to him in repentance every time again. Think of Job. God used the the devil's attacks and Job's struggle within himself to the end to bring Job Job closer to him. And at the end of the book of Job, the man is more sincerely united with his God and savior than at the beginning. Think of David. God allowed him to commit that sin, gave him the devil permission to tempt him, to let him fall into that sin with Bathsheba in order that through repentance, through repentance, humble repentance, David might grow to maturity in faith in the Lord. We heard it in the baptism form. He uses evil for good, as we heard in the baptism form, when we are baptized into the name of God the Father. God the Father testifies and seals to us that he adopts us for his children and heirs. Will will this father let anything happen to his children and heirs without his will? No, no, no. He adopts us for his children and heirs and, and he promises to provide us with all good and avert all evil or turn it to our benefit. What a comfort for baptized people to be able to hold on to their whole life through. We can trust that our Father in Heaven has His good reasons for allowing difficult things to happen in our lives. And that His love is at work in those things too. Even when we fall and we're sorrowful for our fall. He allowed it and turns it to our benefit. And that may sometimes take a lot of struggle to accept when there's hardship or sorrow. We struggle with the wise, eh? But in the end, we may always accept that God is almighty. is all things in his hand. He is my father in Christ, and he has his positive purposes for with whatever difficulties and adversities I encounter in my life. What an immense comfort when you can come around and you can accept that again and again and believing and confessing that everything comes by God's fatherly hand should make us extremely thankful then, too. Comforting in adversity, but also thankful in prosperity. When things go good, things go well then, not because of chance, like I won the lottery or so, or because I'm so much smarter and better than other people. No! No, it's, it's all from God's hand. What you have, the, the good things you can enjoy. He graciously gives it to, to, so that we can experience His love in it all. So when things go well, we can feel God's warm hand on us too. So good to experience His goodness. And then you can be so thankful in your heart. Oh, it's going to, it takes work to remember that our tasty meal or our new clothes, our nice house comes from God's hand. It's probably more difficult to be thankful in prosperity than to be patient in adversity because we so easily take God's gracious gifts for granted. But if we realize every time again what we ourselves deserve as sinners before God, and what God in his grace actually lets us enjoy here, God in his mercy lets us have here, then we can be thankful. Thankful, joyfully thankful for all the good things he allows us. And a thankful heart is a beautiful thing to cultivate congregation. A beautiful thing to have. Thankful person. And finally, confessing God's hand in all things good and bad also gives firm confidence for the future. Firm confidence. Who knows what the future is going to bring, eh? What, what might happen on the way home? Or tonight? Or tomorrow? Or this week? We can, we can worry ourselves sick about the future, can't we? Also, about the future of our children. Little ones like little Trent here, helpless at this time. And when he grows up, what kind of world is he going to live in? What kind of world will it be then? And we can worry about the future of the church. Our society becoming ever more secular, godless, wanting to live without God. He's, he's put out of things out of government, but out of life, everyday life. We have lots of reason to be concerned about the future. But congregation, if God is almighty and has all things in his hand, so that the devil can't even move a centimeter without his permission and will, why should we waste a lot of time worrying about it then? We just need to seek the face of our almighty father in Christ daily and then do our utmost to obey what he asks us to do in, a, in his word, in the place and station he puts us in life. Be as much as we can the kind of person he wants us to be and then we can leave the rest up to him. He has a plan. He's got the master plan. He'll bring it to pass. And he's not going to make mistakes. Nothing, nothing can separate those who love him in, in Christ from his love. And the gates of hell will not prevail against his church. He's shown that in the past. The whole Bible is full of that. He's shown it. And he's assured us of that for the future with the water of baptism. And shouldn't that give us peace in this life and in this world, unstable world in which we live. All things come to us, not by chance, but by God's fatherly, God's loving hand. Amen.